coming to you from the Woodland Baptist Ministry Center, home of the Woodland Baptist Church, on the 26th of February, 2023. So what's the difference? To uh, put Mike on the spot like that, I appreciate his servant heart. Thanks for sharing with us. Had apartment too. <laughs> that was supposed to be a secret. <laughs> Amar was sharing with me earlier about a gal that he had come in contact with several times. And as she and they're talking as she opened up and let him in on what was going on in her life. Um, he saw that she was hurting. You would have never known it by just talking with her most days, I imagine. But below the surface was some pain that was there. That's what we were talking about when we were talking about sharing the faith because we have hurt from time to time with different things. We're thankful to have a resource in Jesus Christ. I'd like to go off on a little bit different tack today and uh, invite you to turn back to the passage that Tom read. Colossians, the first chapter. The title of my message is, So What's the Difference? I told my wife, <laughs> I said, that's not the full title. Because the other one, well, I'll give it to you. You can see why she sort of grimaced. So what's the difference between saints and ain'ts? So we want to talk this morning a little bit it, using the introduction to the book of Colossians as a jumping off point to talk about what's it like to be a follower of Jesus Christ? What's it like to be a saint? And how can you identify a saint? I want you to notice carefully as Paul begins his this book. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, and we know apostle means a sent one. So here was Paul, a commissioned person. He says, by the will of God, who, who commissioned him? It was God the Father. And, and then also the message came by way of Timothy, our brother. He says, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ in Colossae. So this book was addressed to uh, the believers in Colossae. Now, the town of Colossae really is no more. There's another town that has grown up right there by it. But of all the towns and cities that have been excavated and, and are tourists, places now, Colossae isn't one of them. It was a town that 
was sort of off the beaten path in the times of, of the writing of the New Testament. And then in the first century, it was destroyed by a massive earthquake and never really rebuilt after that. Uh, fairly close to the town that was prosperous and didn't rebuild after the earthquake, and that's Laodicea. But it came and went and was sort of forgotten now for centuries and centuries. But Paul wrote there. He had never visited there, as best we can tell in history. He talks about sending Epaphras to them and the idea of him ministering to, to them. And many believe that probably he was involved, Epaphras was involved in planting the church during the missionary journeys of Paul. He had gotten saved and then went back to Colossae. But we, the details are pretty sketchy. But I want you to think in terms of whether it's Colossae or Woodland or any other locale, what it would be like to identify believers from unbelievers, from saints and ain'ts, those that are and aren't. For the most part, we would have a tough time if we were just to meet somebody on the street and we didn't know them. It isn't as if there's a big brand and, you know, or we wore a particular sheet across our chest and said, yes, I'm a follower of Christ. And even someone wearing jewelry like a little cross doesn't really mean anything anymore. It could be just a decoration, could not necessarily be something that would indicate you're a follower of Christ. So what are some of the things? And Paul writes here then to the saints in Colossae. And he says, the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. When I was uh, out of high school and working, going, uh, then I started up and went to Bible school down in California. And the job that I had had between high school and college, uh, they held open for me to come home on summer, at summertime and work. So I didn't have to go out looking for another job. I just came back to where I'd worked before and they, they hired me on again for the summer, which was really helpful. But there was one guy that I worked with who is, um, and this is not a bashing of Roman Catholics. He happened to be a Roman Catholic. And, uh, but everybody knew that what he really was, was a party animal. He loved partying. He loved drinking. And when he drank, he chased after girls and and most of the time, he ended up getting beat up, too. More, more Mondays were our hangover times than anything else. But he would be faithful to go on Saturday 
and go and go do confession. And his mind, and he told me this, so I'm not saying things out of sync here. He said, I will confess everything I did last week so I have a fresh, clean state straight to, to write on. <laughs> and I go, yeah, that's not how that's supposed to work. So one day we got into a discussion and he was talking about the different saints of the Catholic Church and I I couldn't resist. It was probably that old sin nature coming out of me. And I said, well, you know, I'm a saint too. And he looked at me and he goes, that's impossible. You're not dead. And you're not venerated by the church. You're, you can't be a saint. I said, well, according to the Bible, that's what it says. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. The word saint really is crafted off the word that we also use for holy. A saint is a holy one. And most of the time, as believers, if we're honest with ourselves, we would say, that's really not the better description of who I am. I am the holy one here. But it's true nonetheless. Why? Because God has reached into our lives and made us righteous when we were unrighteous. Given us life when we were dead in trespasses and sin. And so the idea of, of saints, for Paul to use the word to describe those that were followers of Christ is probably unnerving to us even today. I know it was unnerving to my, my fellow worker, but it's true. A saint and faithful brothers in Christ. So I want to look at, at maybe what? five, six uh, concepts here or elements that if you look for these, you probably will find a saint because these things are descriptive of saints. And by the way, the things that Apostle Paul is thankful for to be found in the church there at Colossae. He says in verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love that you have for all the saints because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. We'll just stop with that one long run on sentence and look at a couple elements here. Have you uh, ever asked somebody for a recommendation? You know, like, I got problems with my car. Do you have a good mechanic you could recommend? Or my uh, appliance broke down of one sort. Do you have an appliance repairman? By the way, our hot water heater is out. If you don't find any hot water in the tap, that's... We need to replace it. That's going to, Lord willing, happen this week. But we, we would go and say, do you have a recommendation? And what we're really asking when we ask that question is, who do you trust? Who would you go to? 
Who have you found trustworthy? I'm looking for a recommendation. And if I, if I didn't know who to turn to, I'm going to ask for a recommendation because that will probably get me pointed in the right direction. And we go to that person and we find out, yes, and then we can turn around and recommend, yes, I put my trust in this person. They came out right when they said they were going to do it. They were going to came out and they fixed it in no time. The charge was, was not ridiculous. If you need somebody, I would highly recommend what we saying. I trust this guy or this gal, whoever it would be. Apostle Paul says, these saints and faithful brethren in Christ, in, Christ, in Colossae, have come to the place where they have found Jesus Christ to be trustworthy. You guys, well, of course. That's the whole idea behind being a Christian. You put your trust in Jesus. I mean, even a little kid knows that, isn't it? But think about it for a moment. If I was going to turn the question around much like a mechanic or a client's repairman, I said, who would you trust for your spiritual life? Where would you put your trust? Would you put it in a set of ordinances or whatever? There's a, there's a gal on YouTube who is Jewish and she gives, she's pretty outgoing and everything and she calls herself the Jewish mama and she's a young gal with a couple little kids and and she talks about having a kosher home and how to prepare for Passover and all those kind of good Jewish things. But she had an interesting topic and I wanted to watch it yesterday and so I did, was how do you convert to Judaism? And she invited this rabbi on, uh, a gal that was almost as young as she was, who was a rabbi, to talk about how to convert to Judaism. And basically, I'm not going to give you all the steps because I don't want you to convert. No. <laughs> but basically, he would say, first you, you got to want to, and then you got to take some classes, and then you got to find a good rabbi that could act, act as a mentor while you're taking these classes. So if you have any questions, you have somebody that you can turn to. And then it all boils down to after... 9 to 12 months or so, then you come before a board of rabbis and they ask you questions, and then you're in. And as I'm thinking about that and thinking about my message, I go, I wouldn't want my eternal destiny dependent on a couple other people saying whether I was in or I'm going to put my trust in someone who wanted to be in Jesus Christ, who others have found trustworthy and I find trustworthy. So who do you trust? Saints find Jesus Christ to be trustworthy. And Paul puts it this way. We have prayed for you since we heard of your faith 
in Christ Jesus. You have come to put your trust in Jesus Christ. Now, compared to the rest of the town of Colossae, that would be true that would distinguish a saint from one who ain't. Because the rest of the town wouldn't be putting their trust in Jesus Christ, but the saint certainly would. He says, well, what, how would you depend on, what do you depend on for your spirituality? Well, we've seen examples of all that part of the country where they had the different Roman gods, they had Greek gods, they had a whole group of those that they would trust for various things. But a believer would say, no, it's Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints. I won't belabor this, but the saints are going to share a mutual love. They're going to share a mutual love. You love one another. Paul mentions that through his epistles. Jesus Christ said, by this all men will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi and says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. This is Philippians 2, 3, and 4. But in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only on his own interest, but also on the interest of others. One of the distinguishing marks, not the exclusive one, but one of the distinguishing marks is when I prefer you over me. That's hard. That takes the, the grace of God and the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts and lives. Because who am I inclined to think about? Not you. I'm inclined to think about me. So if I'm thinking about you and what's good for you, that's one of the hallmarks by this. All will know that you're my disciples. We have love for one another. In contrast to those in the community who might be looking out for number one. How are you going to treat one another? What kind of business dealings are you going to have with them? Well, I know there's condemnations sometimes come out because Christians have done you wrong. They are not good representatives of Jesus Christ. A Christian should be one that you can turn to and trust like you put your trust in Jesus and find out that they're looking out for you. Mutual love. Paul goes on, he says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So, third element is the saints have an orientation towards a future hope. Man on the street says, what do I have? I have this life, and that's all I have. We've seen it in commercials. Grab for all the gusto. Why? That's all he got right now. 
If I don't get any pleasure out of life, that's it. It's over. It's done. I've had individuals tell me, well, I ask them, what happens after you die? That's it. I'm buried. I'm gone. I'm done. But saints are not that way. They have an orientation towards a future hope. A hope that is laid up for them. In 2 Corinthians, back up a little bit here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul talks about that. He says, For we know that if the tent, that is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a home not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. But we are still in this tent. But this is not it. It could be stated lots of different ways. It could be said, we're sojourners, this is not our home, we're just passing through. Lots of different ways to say it, but a Christian, a saint, as Paul is addressing them, says he's different than the others around him in the community. Why? Because he has a hope. He has a hope. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, will I come back and take you to be with me? That where I am, there you may be also. And he said that to his disciples. There's hope. There's hope. Saints have an orientation towards a future hope. So we read it here. I, he says, we give thanks. Who was we? Paul, Timothy, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. But there's something else too. In verse 5 he says, Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, the good news, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Twice in this segment, verse 5 going down to verse uh, 6, he talks about truth. We have, of course, trust, faith, love, hope. But I put it this way because he mentions truth a couple times. And there seems to be an understanding of the gospel, the good news. And as he goes on, he says, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. I got to thinking there's another element that distinguishes saints 
from Amos. And that saints have a developed discernment about what is true and what is not. I mean, you can't live in this culture without hearing about fake news one way or another. And you go, who do you trust? And we're back to question one, who do you trust? Apostle Paul says, you've come to the place that you placed your trust in Jesus Christ, but you've heard the truth. You live in the truth. You're able to discern between what is false and what is true, what is bad and what is good. You're able to then see those things and be able to discern between them. And Paul says, and I rejoice in that. I'm so thankful for that, that you have come to the place where you are doing, and by the way, this is a process. Aren't you thankful that you, you don't necessarily have had to arrive already? You can be in process. In fact, that's what Paul says in Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice, a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service or your spiritual worship, depending on which translation you like. And be not conformed to this world. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's going on when you're renewing your mind? You're taking out the old that's false and you're putting in the new which's true. And he says... And as you do, you prove, you verify what is God's good and acceptable and perfect will. There's a process going on, and saints develop discernment. There's some things that Newborn believers can be deceived by just because they don't know. They haven't learned. No one has shared that particular truth with them. They haven't run across it in their scripture reading. They don't know and they can be deceived. And that's why there's warnings all through scripture about those that would deceive. But Paul says, I am thankful that you and Colossae that you know the truth and you're discerning the truth, that God's, by God's grace, he is giving you insight into those things. There's another element here. He says, this word of truth, the gospel, this good news, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing fruit and increasing and this is another element saints reproduce in kind and reproduce on, on several levels one is the character and nature 
of this reproduction is very similar to the source. Jesus, when he was talking to disciples in the upper room in John chapter 15, talked about, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me will bring forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. But what kind of fruit are we going to bring forth? That which is the same kind as the vine. You know, when we first looped up on the hill, we had an acre of raspberries. And what do you feel about raspberries? I still like raspberries to the day, so there's some sort of testimony there. But we go out mid-June into the first part of July, usually up there on the hill, and the raspberries just start to come off. And you got to get them picked. And I highly recommend picking them in the morning before they turn to juice in the warmth of the afternoon. But you go and pick them. But in the seasons that we had raspberries and we picked raspberries, I never went out and got a grapefruit off of one of those vines. Go figure. We're going to reproduce in kind. Maybe this verse doesn't mean anything to you. I think it's just smile worthy. It's found in Acts chapter 11, verse 26. They were meeting with the Christians there in Antioch. And it says, for the whole year they met with the church and taught great many people in Antioch. The disciples were first called Christians. There you go. I don't know why you get so much joy out of that verse, Pastor. That was sort of anticlimactic. No! They are followers of Christ and they were called Christians and they were identifiable as followers of Christ and that's why they called them Christians. They had the same kind of fruit as the vine. Well, when we went through John 15, we talked about the different kind of fruit that is mentioned. And I won't belabor that because, well, that was a whole message and you don't want another whole message right now. Paul writes this in the church of Philippi, Philippians 1, 9 through 11, is my prayer that your love may abound, grow more and more with knowledge and all discernment. There's our word again, very much like what we're reading in Colossians. So that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. That's the future. Filled with the fruit of righteousness. Of the same character and the same nature as Christ. Paul says, how do you want to know the difference between a saint and an ain't? A saint is going to have the same kind of qualities as the one he's put his trust in. Fruit of righteousness. Of course, we're familiar with Galatians 5, 22 through 24. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such. There is no law. 
But you think about it, you would have to say, by the way, those are qualities that Christ exhibited. So shouldn't be surprised to be found in Christians, followers of Christ. One last one here. And he says, just as you learned in verse 7, from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. Boy, I could take some time and go into this, but he says, he's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And I'm going to say this about Christians as a group in distinguishing them from ain'ts, saints. Christian saints have point two people. You know, what do you mean point two people? People that in the community of faith you can point to and say, have you seen that person? Have you seen what kind of life they live? Paul said this to the church at Corinth, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. You can look to me. You can point to me and say, that's the kind of person I need to imitate. And the church has those kind of people. Not every believer is a point to person. They might be new believers and so they haven't grown much in their faith or they're kind of quiet and people don't know them except those few that they rub shoulders with and they get a feeling for who they are. But there are other people that you can point to. And Apostle Paul points to Epaphras and goes, if you consider Epaphras, when you want to know which way to grow and you have a resource there, there's point to people. And you think, oh, pastor, you're just making this stuff up. I go, no, I got it directly from God. Amen. Got it directly from God. And you go, did you have a vision? I said, no, I read scripture. In Job chapter 1, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my right, my servant? Job, there is none like him on earth, blameless, upright man who fears God and turns away. There's a point to person. God pointed to Satan and said, look at Job. You want to see an example of a believer? And God did the pointing. <laughs> and Paul, writing to the church of Colossae, says, you have one in your midst, too. He's a faithful minister on your behalf. But on, he serves Christ. His name is Epaphras. I'm going to point him out to you just so that you don't miss him. If you want to know how to pattern your life, here's a man. You go, well, you know, we really shouldn't pattern our life after another person. They could fail. Yes, they could. But I think it's worthy to point out somebody who is faithfully walking with Christ as an example. With the cautionary... Yes, they may fail. They're still human. They may sin. They may fall. But 
David in the Old Testament said God looked at his heart and he says, is a man after my own heart. And then he went and did adultery and, and murder. And you go, well, that doesn't sound like the heart of God. No. I talked about him being a human who failed to trust God. There's point two people as well. So we've given you now, what, six different kind of things to look for to distinguish a saint from an ain't within a community. These people are going to exhibit these qualities. Apostle Paul, as he's writing to them, he says, and you know, I see them in you. I see them in you. So what does that say to us? Well, it gives us some things to look at. What do we see in ourselves? Do we see this kind of faith in Christ? This kind of love for the saints? Do we have a hope that drives us in how we live on a daily basis? Are we growing in our discernment about what is true and what is false? Are we reproducing in kind, not only in our character and our nature, but sharing the faith with others so that they might know him as we know him? And do we have people that we can point to and say, look to their example. And the question is, could someone look at us and say that? Could someone say that about us? Or look at that person. Apostle Paul, as he's writing here in these opening remarks, it looks like just a greeting. You know, like, hey, church there in, in Colossae, just want to say, I'm writing to you. You know, it's good to write to you. And, and um, we'll get to business here later on in this letter, but I just want to say hi. No, he says, I see these qualities. How do I see them if I've never been there? Epaphras has shared them with me. He said, I see these things in you, and I'm rejoicing and I'm giving thanks to God. May that be said of us as well. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, encouraging, yes. Convicting, yes. May we be point two people. May we be people being worthy of bearing the banner that says Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord. May others see in us you. We ask it in Jesus' name.